Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello and welcome to The Midpoint with me, Gabby Logan. I have a first for you on the podcast this week. This is the first time my celebrity guest and my expert guest are also a married couple. Former footballer Gary Neville and his wife Emma are on the team sheet this week. It's rare these days, but Gary played his whole 20-year career at one club, his beloved Manchester United. He was part of the famous class of 92, and when he retired in 2011, he held eight Premier League titles, three FA Cups, two Champions League wins, and a string of other titles, not to mention his 85 caps for England. Since then, he's turned his hand to football coaching, established himself as a businessman and a straight-talking pundit. Emma has dedicated her life to helping others as a counsellor, philanthropist, and in recent years, a menopause coach. She launched her online community, This Is Me, to try to help women navigate this tricky stage of life. So I thought she'd be the perfect expert for us. Apparently, Gary's favourite word is relentless, as it sums up his approach to life. So buckle up. Let's meet the Nevilles. Well, what a treat for the Midpoint listeners to have Gary and Emma Neville with us today. And you know what, Emma? I'm so happy to meet you because I've been asking Gary to come on for ages. And then I saw a post he did about your work uh, as a menopause counsellor. And I thought, hey-ho, this is a way I can get him on because he can bring his wife with him. So you know what he needs? A security blanket of you to be here. That's what I've discovered he needed. So welcome. How are you both? Good. Good. Yeah. A little bit bit nervous. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a cold, so I might sound a bit, yeah, all over the show, but anyway. And you're also in separate rooms uh, recording this, we should say. So this is quite interesting. You're in the same house, so you can't give each other those visual cues which say, just shut up, you've said enough now about that, uh, which is excellent for me. Well, Emma, you are obviously the partner and wife of somebody who's got a huge profile and has done for many decades now and is very, very well known. Um, but what you do is really interesting and kind of behind the scenes almost. You know, I, I hadn't realised how much you were doing it as a counsellor and working in that space for a long, long time but I guess you know being married to any Neville <laughs> is 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 quite a job isn't it being married to the Neville family he describes himself as relentless so give us a taste give us a kind of idea what it is like being a partner to somebody with so much energy enthusiasm and passion uh tiring at times uh, but yeah always attached to an itinerary I'd say um, most days are yeah set out so I've adapted into that lifestyle the Neville family are never never late so that was a huge point for me that I was someone who was okay on time but now I've had to be yeah prompt you know they arrive early to everything so uh, yeah so this I've had to adapt into this routine and regime of the Neville lifestyle but yeah I feel like you know Gary is just you know relentless thousand miles an hour he does so many things I don't know how his brain functions some days but he does it and he's built completely different than anyone I've met but yeah for me I'm obviously complete opposite yin yang and uh, more of the you know quiet person very philanthropic and empath and yeah so I suppose we bring out different sides in each other. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's working. Um, it was interesting. I'd, I'd met your sister, Tracy. I met her a few times, Gary, but I'd done something with her just a few weeks ago. And she was saying that you, you know, you live quite centrally in Manchester. And I said, oh, how does that work for, for Emma and the kids? And she said, well, that's what Gary wants. So, you know, and... and <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. I think that, yeah. Well, it painted a picture that, you know, um, I guess in every relationship, somebody does set the agenda and the other person kind of works with the agenda or you kind of say, look, I've got this. Would you say you're that person then, Gary, that people work around you? No, I, well, I would like to say that. <laughs> Emma's laughing. <laughs> To be fair, I think on houses, so me and Emma lived in Manchester when we first met three or four years and we really enjoyed it in Manchester. And then we moved back up to Bolton, uh, just on the sort of border with Berry, where is obviously where I grew up and near where my mum and dad lived. And we enjoy it up there as well. But it started to take me about an hour and 20 minutes into Manchester every day and an hour and 20 minutes back. And it was becoming incredibly frustrating. And the kids now are 15 and 14. I was starting to get to the point whereby they're going to probably want sort of like a central Manchester life. It's where the jobs are, it's where education is. And I was just getting tired of driving in and out. So we do mix it a little bit between Manchester and Bolton. I, I, I do what I want to do, Gabby. And I think that's really important in life. And I also want Emma to do what she wants to do. And I want the kids to do what they want to do. So I don't think stopping people doing what they want to do or sort of saying, you must sacrifice this for me. I, I, you know, if Emma wants to go and sort of do a counselling course for three years or if she wants to go on holiday with a friend or if I want to go and sort of do a business idea, I think we should encourage each other to do what we want to do within the relationship. Mm. I, I suspect I am more domineering from a point of view, just personality-wise, but that's... I think Emma, to be fair, in the last, I would say, five, six years, the kids have grown up, they need less attention, and I would say Emma's now certainly becoming more dominant and more focused on what she wants to do as well. Yeah, and Emma, that involves, as Gary described there, you did a three-year counselling course and you've worked with lots of different charities practically, not just donating sums of money and doing things, kind of rolling your sleeves up and getting involved with those things. How important was that for you in terms of identity? Because, you know, you could be swamped, couldn't you, by the personality that is Gary Neville and the world that he has and just go along with the ride. Was there a conscious decision to forge your own path in that respect? Yeah, I do feel, um, you know, as you become a mum, you do start to lose your identity. And I wanted to be that mum that was hands-on, take them to nurse, take them to school, you know, pick them up, be there all the way for them. And that was, you know, it's the best job in the world for me. And probably most mums can agree with that. But then I've always wanted to do counselling since I was in my 20s. And I think just life experiences, I realise now, you know, have brought me different attributes into that environment. So I'm really glad that I didn't do it in my 20s. So then, I, hence, I went on and I thought, I really need to do this. And I kind of had a lot of people and a lot of friends who would always confide in me and they'd always say, oh, you're a really good listener. And, you know, I just felt like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to go for this. So, so yeah, I did. I went to study and I did it. Um, and I was really proud of myself. I finished it in lockdown, which I never thought I'd achieve because it was just hell on earth like for most people um, I'm such an in the room person when I do studying or anything and the classroom was taken away from me so it was all back online so you know learning all those new skills and everything but I got there and I was really proud of myself and like you say I you know work with many charities I've, um, but I'm not somebody you know I'm very privileged that I could say yeah I'll you know become a patron to this or I can give you this amount of money but for me it's the hands-on involvement I love going into the spaces and seeing what actually goes on in that, you know, environment and 
that is where my counselling journey led me to, yeah. So at the moment I'm in a cancer centre and, you know, that brings brings me so much joy along with people say, how can you do it? But also we have to, you know, take on this role and leave that in the room as we've finished and just be privileged that we've been in that room with that person and they've shared with you as a counsellor. It's, it's one of the most privileging jobs I feel that it brings me, yeah, lots and lots of, you know, joy. Don't get me wrong, I like to rescue people and I do think about lots of clients, um, but it's hard to sometimes, you know, when you are an empathic person, not to just leave it there, but you do have to, you know, look after yourself because you can get that burnout as well. So, yeah. So, Gary, did you notice a change in Emma when she went through that course? Yeah, I know, I know the change before it was that, you know, it, it's not easy when you're so busy, when I was so busy doing everything that I wanted to do. And then sometimes I would come home and Emma would talk about sort of, like, use words like sometimes worthless or value or, you know, what am I doing? I don't know what I stand for anymore. You know, when I first met Emma, she had a job uh, in jewellery, in jewellery wholesale uh, for a good few years. And then we had the kids and obviously that, that fell away. And then obviously I think from that point, the kids did, because the kids were sort of 15 months between each other, 16 months between each other. So it was quite an intense period for say five, six, seven years. And I started to hear words like that worthless, you know, what am I doing with my life? You know, those types of phrases. And it isn't easy listening to someone obviously that you're married to and that you love say those things because the reality of it is then, you know, she had to go and if you like, I said, well, what do you want to do? You know, I'm quite matter-of-fact, Gabby, as you can imagine, and sort of would say, right, so what is it you want to do? Mm. And we can make it happen. And I think it's taken a lot for her in the last couple of months to launch uh, the This Is Me page because she isn't, at, you know, she, she doesn't really want the attention. She's quite very private. She's always prided herself on saying that I'm a private person. But I think that it's taken a lot for her to get to that point. And I did see a change in her that sort of with the counselling courses, get more confident going down to the cancer centre on a regular basis, doing the work that she's doing and feeling that actually she's contributing and that she's doing something she wants to do, which is absolutely amazing. You know, the idea that she goes down and sort of impacts people's lives who are suffering um, is, is, is fantastic. But there definitely was a change before. And then all of a sudden when the counselling courses started, you, you, I saw Emma get more confident and now to a point whereby, you know, to come on here today really... I think for both of us, but certainly for Emma, is is a big thing. You know, even in the last twenty four hours, she would say, "Are you sure this is right?" I, you know, and and obviously she wanted to do it because she admires you, and obviously she she knows about the podcast. But I'd say the growth in the last four or five years has been incredible, really, from that point of view of when she decided that she was going to go for it. There's a few things to unpick there. And one of the, the first thing you said, you know, because you're a matter of fact person, I think a lot of people listening to this will totally appreciate Emma's position. And it might not always be the woman in the relationship, but when one person really feels they are lost and they kind of don't have that purpose and the other person seems to have so much drive and so much direction, you know, it's very easy to think, well, just find something, you know, what? just do something. And you know the person you're with as well is clever, and you know has real enormous potential and you want them to kind of flourish and 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 help elevate them so you know that's something to navigate isn't it and then obviously then that person does kind of find that thing and gets going and it can it can change dynamics in relationships can't it so do you think your relationship emma is is stronger for you finding that path and you you having the thing that you you know really fit makes you feel fulfilled Good question. I feel like, yeah, it's it's made me stronger and it's made me appreciate how well I can do things and what I do bring to the table. And, you know, like anything in life, I think if you're all in a good place, you know, it, it impacts everything mm. from 
the kids, you know, yeah, kids, you know, everybody around you. So definitely, it's um, there has been growth there. I sometimes feel like. You know, like Gary is, you know, like you say, the outspoken, but I don't get me wrong, I give as good as I get. And um, I am, yeah, I'm very vocal in lots of other ways. So, yes. What um, would you say you, because I think we've all got our strengths in relationships, haven't we? You know, and there's certain areas that I would think, oh, he probably, he might know a bit more about, or his his opinion on this might be a bit more developed, if you, if you like, than me, or other things I think I would have the kind of, you know, the reign over. Um, where do you think your strengths in the relationship are? For me, I think I'm the, I, sort of think, I feel like I'm a really organised person, as much as Gary is very organised as well as a man, but I feel like I bring the daily, you know, everything ahead. And I think sometimes he doesn't realise maybe what's going on in that day. And you've to had achieve to, that. Yeah, to achieve it. You know, sometimes mm. you get pissed off, if I can say that, that, you know, I've had to maybe put something off from my day just because I've had to wait in for the Skyman or somebody else coming or, you know, going to get the food shop that mm. just happens to appear in a fridge yeah. you know it's kind of those things sometimes that I just like think why you have no clue yeah because <laughs> I feel like I'm not going to stereotype guys but I just feel like Gary sometimes is in one focus one vision mm. and whatever he's going to achieve in that day he will well, I read a, a story that you told in a magazine article, which I think sums this up, called, I would call it, Ingrowing Toenail Story, which was uh, one of your daughters, I think it was Sophie, was it, who had an ingrowing toenail. Yeah. And you'd gone on a charity event. You were climbing mountains, Emma, and yeah. Gary rang you up quite cross because you hadn't sorted the ingrowing toenail out before you left. <laughs> Gary, yeah. pick it up for us. Come <laughs> on, Gary. <laughs> um. Yeah, and we used to have to take her to this doctor sort of like on a monthly basis to sort of have it sort of cut back or else it would get quite sore for her and it would become infected. And I think she'd missed her appointment sort of the week before and when Emma had left and it sort of knocked me back a little bit, Gabby. No, keep going, I remember it well. Well, that's like two or three hours. That's two or three hours of sort of like you know having to go and obviously take mm. the doctor. Have it. Which people in relationships do all the time. I'd like to call them mums, but <laughs> yeah. people do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just to be honest with you, I, I, yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I think yeah. <laughs> I've got no, I've got no defence really. I mean, the one the thing that Emma says to me quite regularly is, you know, you're not present. I think, but I think a lot of people would recognise that in relationships that you know you're always thinking about the next thing. You might be thinking about the game. You know, you might you might be having tea, but you might be thinking about the match tomorrow that you're commentating on, or you might be thinking about something else that you're doing. And then the other thing is just that um, you know to listen more and sort of participate more in sort of what would be the family life, which I think actually the last couple of months I probably have a little bit. I, do, I have a lot, in fact, because I found myself not being able to take my kids to school in the morning and pick them up in the evening. And I had to spend some time with Bex, and he told me that he took the kids to school on a regular basis and picked them up on a regular basis, and he always made time for that. And it made me feel quite bad that I didn't do that on a regular basis and those simple things. Uh, and they're, they're sort of now 14, 15. They're embarrassed by me completely and don't want anything to do with me, the two girls. You know, tomorrow night we're going... Uh, the eldest has got a party at one of the restaurants in Manchester and she doesn't want me to go, which I think is just where where we're at in the cycle. <laughs> but I think that I do need to participate more. I do think, I, I think I'm someone who, I don't know really. I love coming home to my family and I love sort of, I always come home at five o'clock, but I go to bed quite early, like at nine o'clock. 
and then I'm up early and I go to the gym and I, I do always try and get into my day what I want to get into mm. my day. And am I thinking about Sophie's toenail, to be fair, no. on Thursday evening at four o'clock? No, I'm not, Gabby. I'll be really honest with you. That, that, I really wanted that to have been dealt with. <laughs> somebody somebody has to. <laughs> and it shouldn't always be the one person that has, because they're carrying a lot of other stuff as well, aren't they? And I think that's, you know, when you notice those things that the other person might need you to pick up the slack occasionally on, I think that that is a really powerful kind of attribute to a relationship. Am I abnormal though, Gabby? Or is no, it, I think I? a lot of people will recognise this. And I, you know, I think particularly driven and I would say goal driven, you know, and you, you're you're always looking for new things that are going to, you know, help people. Things you do, it's not personally kind of always beneficial, is it? Things you're doing that kind of help the greater good and and want to achieve. And I guess, you know, sometimes you've got to look at those things as all they're also achievements. You know, being yeah. being as you said, present in your life is also an achievement, isn't it? And you know, obviously, yeah. you you know, it took your friend David Beckham <laughs> to point out that taking your kids to school is a nice part of the day. Yeah, <laughs> David, you've uh, really rubbed off on him now. <laughs> yes. Only took fourteen years, but well done, David. <laughs> there are there are some sort of trigger points for me that just sort of like get me all the time. So, like, if for instance, like if I, I go, and I get home and I look in the fridge multiple times like literally i open the door of the fridge i examine the fridge what's in there and it's like let's say there's no milk in or there is no sort of water in or for some reason i'm like oh my that is like a trigger point for me it's like, emma pick it up they, emma there, pick up the fridge for us if, if my dairy milk if my dairy milk's not in my dairy milk's not there I'm like, dairy oh, milk chocolate no. bar there has to be a dairy milk chocolate yeah, bar in the yeah. fridge yes. it's a bit like a child i do feel sometimes you have three children in that in that, in that moment of like what and i go what are you looking for what are you actually looking for it's there in front of you it's usually it is i won't say it's a dairy milk it's usually there's no chips and there's like a big we've had many what uh, kind of chips what oven chips oh triple cup marks and spencers gabby or the fritz right so i don't eat i think i did this i said this a year or two ago, i don't eat like mashed potato, boulangerie potatoes, piamon potatoes, boiled potatoes, new potatoes. Don't, give, it, don't give this man a dauphinois. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the dauphinois, no, seriously, just cut the chip up, put it in a pan or put it in an oven and you have chips. It's, honestly, I'm fine with that. Right. I grew up next to chippies. Right. So I know they're a bit healthy You know you can now, change your eating habits, Gary. You know, I mean... <laughs> no, but there's some things that... I, I'm from Berry. It's where I grew up. It sort of runs in my family. and There's something emotional. I, I, I think there's something emotional about these yeah, chips. Attachment, I do. Mm. He always goes back to kicking a ball on a Friday. It might trigger him and he'll say, I used to kick outside on the garages and we'd have chippy every... Yeah, there's definitely something to do with that kind of home, that longing for home somewhere or something to do with your childhood, isn't there, that you, the chips signify. So imagine, that. imagine there's no chips in the fridge imagine. or in there. Imagine, imagine, imagine. <laughs> Whoa, this is, I mean, this whole fridge thing is interesting, actually, because even when I go back to my mum's house, I know there's going to be nothing in there really of interest to me. I still open the fridge door because as a kid, that's what you did. You came in from school and you opened the fridge, didn't you? No matter how, whether you were hungry yes. or not. But obviously, Gary's expecting the magic fridge filler to have done their job, Emma. <laughs> yes. So, um, and have you been to a supermarket lately, Gary? Gabby, do you know something? When, um, so when we were first together, we lived in Manchester, and I would do all the food shopping pre-kids. And actually, whilst I was a football player, I knew I had afternoons off. I love going food shopping. And I still go food shopping now, Emma, don't I, sometimes? Yeah, I will give you a You'll have a, a moment. But yeah, I will. it's not a full shop. <laughs> 
It's not full shop. There's, there's some dairy milk and there's some triple cut chips. Yeah, a giant buttons or something. And it's like, we're going to eat. Yeah, and throw a pack of blueberries in and everything's okay. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So as a couple, you've worked out, I think somebody described it to me as your dance. You know, when, you know, like there's a dance that kind of happens and somehow, yeah. you know, when you're leading, somehow, you know, when you're the, you know, you're not the leading man on the situation. But the, I want to talk a little bit about the reason that, you know, I finally got you on the podcast, which is Emma's work as a menopause counsellor. Because when I spoke to you about this, Gary, we were doing a job together a few weeks ago and you were really kind of open and honest in the way you talked about Emma's menopause, which I thought was really lovely that you obviously were there you knew what was going on or you'd you'd had some kind I'm glad of glad he did <laughs> <laughs> you tell us tell us emma tell us what was going on because he, he this is what he said to me anyway he's picked himself up there yeah. hasn't he? <laughs> well he, he's obviously listened to you because he said you had a very early menopause yeah so i don't mind sharing as a as i say i've opened up a page i'm i think it's five weeks old now this is me um just sharing with like-minded you know women my story about having an early menopause at 14 you know nearly 41 and for me yeah it was it was huge at the time I didn't understand I was in lockdown perimenopausal which with everything else that was going on in my life I just put it down to stress and finishing a course and lockdown and just how life had changed and I feel like I was in a lot of avoidance around that stage and I wasn't picking up because I didn't know anything about the menopause other than I think the one word that we mostly related to is a hot flush or a hot flash as you know so for me, there was lots of signs there, but I just wasn't tuning in to myself. I won't bore you because the story is long, but basically, yeah, I ended up, you know, going down the route of some investigations and speaking to some specialists. But all the way through that journey, I was in total denial, I think just due to my age. Mm. And my mum had an early menopause at 40 right. and I do believe you follow your mum. Mm. So the more I was learning about it, I was getting quite fascinated with the topic. And I was like, you know, why don't I know about this? So mm. I got diagnosed with um, POI, premature ovarian insufficiency. I'd had um, an ultrasound and there was no like eggs, little eggs, eggs, um, you know, left. And that in itself was kind of huge for me. And you, you were know, how old again at this point when the scan happened? 40. 40, yes. yeah. Which is still an age where a lot of people might be thinking about another child. Yes, absolutely. So we'd obviously discussed that we was never having any more children. You know, we'd probably maybe a few years before that, you know, there was little linkly sometimes where you have a chat and just do another child. But we knew that, you know, family was kind of done. The girls were growing to an age and there'd be a huge age gap. So again, I do feel that it's something that's not discussed. But for me personally, that was kind of like a mini bereavement in itself because my body wasn't able to do produce what it's always done anymore. And 
it was kind of like, gosh, you know, it's getting older, it's giving up on me. And all those things that come with that are so emotional and heavy. But, you know, I worked through it and it did take me, you know, time. And then I got the HRT sent to me. And again, it took me some time to think. Um, I've never been someone who's, you know, thank God I've had great health. I'm so lucky. Um, I've never been on any medication or anything. But to me, it was kind of, it felt like, gosh, I've got to do this daily. That's, I've never done anything like that before. So that was a really big side of going down that route for me and then once I started it within the three months I thought wow I'm starting to feel back to me slowly and that back to me had been gone for so long and I am an emotional person but I was so emotional around those times and literally I would cry at an advert and I do tell a story that I remember one day the girl said to me I think it was the older one Molly said um, could you get me some filo pastry mum for uh, food tech and I can't remember if it was Puff or Philo, one of them. Anyway, I got the wrong one. And she come in that morning and I got it out of the fridge to give her and she said, got the wrong one. And I just felt like I'd let her down. It was the weirdest feeling. And I cried all the way to school driving with these silent tears rolling down my face, like a let down mum. And I think one of them said to me, you crying? And I was like, oh, it's just that story on the radio. I just bobbed it off because I didn't want to say how I felt. And I just thought, gosh, this is unbelievable. Like, how do I feel okay one minute and then not the next? And I was like, hormones are incredible. Wow. And you were already on HRT at this point? So no, the HRT journey started eight months after that, really. I had some other investigations done and everything. And then it was sat there. had been kind of sent it from a specialist, but I wasn't sure. I went to start with, but again, I'd gone six weeks into that and I was feeling no different. Um, and I just remember a friend who was, you know, in her menopause journey and she was 52, I think at the time, a really close friend. And she just said, why are you struggling? And I said, I don't know. And it was just in denial. And she said, we just start it. We just stick that bloody patch on your ass and get on with it. And I was just like, I think I need to try this. So yeah, so I did. Um, I'd say within the last year now, you know, I'm still tweaking, as I call it, my journey. And at the minute, as I spoke with my um, follow-up with my menopause specialist about probably two months ago now, she just said at the minute all the ingredients are right. So let's just keep that, you know, and at the minute it's it's good. I do think about things that how long am I going to be in this place and how long am I going to need HRT? Will I stay on it for life? You know, lots of questions and things that come around that. So, yeah, I just wanted to be open in my journey as a younger lady and, that it can happen because the amount mm. of people said to me, you can't have had an early menopause. And I'm like, well, I'm here yeah. and I'm saying I have. So yeah. so yeah, it was just a share in, in that space, really. The online community is for people to have that ability to speak to other people in similar situations or what, you, what are you hoping that you can yes. achieve there? Yeah, I do feel like it's kind of under the topic of well-being, but started with menopause because it's so current and I'm so... You know, I think it's my favourite word every day. I think I say it. Um, so, you do, you do. Yeah, I do. I know the girls tell me not talking menopause again. Like, yes. You know, my, my kids say things to me like, oh, are you in the menopause? As if like, oh, I didn't, we didn't realise. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I think it's healthy when teenagers know what the word is, because I'm not sure about you, Emma, but it was not something that was discussed in my house no. as, a, as an 18-year-old. I can't get over that, that, you know, Every woman's going to go through this journey, but it's just, yeah, I just can't believe it's like this taboo around it as well. So for me, having two girls, you know, my biggest learning was if they're going to start families, you know, 
maybe later on in their late 30s. I can't control their lives up, but I would be maybe just having that conversation and saying, you know, maybe don't leave it so late or just, you know, trying to help them. So that was one thing that I can, you know, thank my menopause for that it's brought me that, you know, understanding of that could happen to them. Really important. And I think boys as well, Gary, because boys will either be married to women or they'll know women, you know, at work, they'll have women in their family somewhere. So your kind of take on what was going on, Gary, at the beginning, what what did you think was happening? Because I'm guessing it wasn't something that you and Philip discussed as young boys growing up very often. No, Gabby, that wasn't the, no, it wasn't the topic of conversation. I think, to be honest with you, when I think about it, I, I'm quite sort of pragmatic and quite sort of, you can imagine at the beginning, I would think sort of it. Sort it, Emma, like a, sort it. Yeah, so, yeah, in the accent as well. <laughs> so I would say things like, and maybe it's not the right thing to say things like this, but I was, I would always try and put sort of like a positive slant on it from a, not a motivational point of view, but if you were looking at sort of like a, from a leadership perspective, I was like, Emma, is it not better that you've had it early? Because you're fitter, you're healthier. So I would say things like, this is a real, this could be a real bonus. You could be out of it by the time you've, you know, 43, 44. And then lots of other people maybe in their 50s don't feel as strong. I mean, obviously 50-year-old men and women now do feel strong. But, you know, is it going to be hard? Would it be harder for you to have it in your 50s than it would be maybe at the age of 40? And is this the best time to have it? So I tried that route to start with, but that didn't go down particularly well, Gabby. <laughs> well done, Emma. You've timed it excellently. I'm very yeah, yeah, proud of you. It's the best plan. Yeah, exactly. No, but I'm going to I was trying to put a positive slant on it um, that I, I felt could you could put a positive slant on it because also the idea that we had decided that we weren't going to have any more children. So I think there was one day where I do remember Emma sort of, you know, really upset and she was upset regularly, to be honest with you, around that time. But saying about the idea that she couldn't have children mm. again was upsetting her, even though we didn't want to no. have children again. So, but maybe there's a disconnect yeah. at that point slightly for you because... I think so. You know. Yeah, because I'm thinking if we wanted children again, then I get it completely. It would be obviously something that would be, you know, really upsetting. But actually, the fact we don't want children again... I couldn't see where the actual issue was there. It's like a grief almost that um, some women have yeah. because I think, you know, you'll you'll experience this in a few years' time when your children start going off to university. There is this, oh my God, that, you know, this the empty nest and all that feeling that, you know, although on the one hand, as Gary would say, well, look, Emma, we've got loads more time and it's, you know, our house is our own and there's crinkle cut chips for everyone in the fridge all the time. On the other side... <laughs> on, the, on the other side... That was unbelievable. What a moment. <laughs> and it is a great achievement i always you know say to people when we talk about empty nest that the thing you want most in the world is your kids to kind of flourish and have the confidence to go right but at the same time you're kind of missing their company and you're missing them in the, and you're missing them as i mean kenny all the time sends me pictures of the kids at four and five you know from his phone that you miss those innocent little days and so in the same way i think some women and not all but some women that connection to their periods is linked, isn't it, so much with, with that and all that possibility. And even though, Emma, and you didn't want any more children or, you you know, you didn't think you did, it's taken away completely, Emma, isn't it? And it's that yeah. feeling that you, that is it. It was. And I just started to think, gosh, I'm aging. Like, what's happening, you know, yeah. and just slowing down. And as much as I felt like I was, you know, I was fit and able to do exercise and all those things it was just like all those unanswered questions like what does that mean for me now I've educated myself on it and done the menopause coaching certificate and and everything but now I understand that but if you don't it's it's overwhelming and it's scary and and yeah I understand how can Gary understand parts of that he's not built like us and you know what our bodies can do is incredible but 
as well, it was still, it was, it was huge for me. I felt that uh, Emma was spiralling at that point into sort of like, obviously she was, she was extremely hot all the time. There were concentration lapses that I'd not sort of seen before. So much more emotional, getting down about herself, doubting herself, questioning, you know, my body's changing, all, all the things that obviously happened in that period. And I knew these things were constant. And there is no manual for a man in a relationship to know how to deal with that, to be honest with you either, because this is something that happens to every woman. So you're almost a little bit, as a, as a bloke, to start with, well, look, every woman goes through this, so let's just get on with it and get through it, and it'll be over at some point. And that's sort of how we, I do think that's probably sort of how most men start to deal with it at the beginning. And, well, is this not a good thing? Because it's here now, you can get through it. And uh, I don't think I was helping probably that much with my approach at that time. Not that I was doing anything wrong. I wasn't sort of saying, you know, be quiet, you're wasting. No. There was nothing like that. Was just, Your normal way of dealing it. with problems was probably not yes. right for this. The spreadsheet approach no. wasn't going to be, wasn't going to cut, was it? No. <laughs> On this one. <laughs> but also trying, trying, to, trying to distract, trying to distract, say, should we go out for a meal or trying to sort of, if you like, just... Nice you know, things. Let's do nice things. <laughs> <laughs> Move it away from sort of what would be the feeling of, because obviously when you're, when you play the football team and I, I, the problem is with me, I relate everything back to being in a football team, which is just completely wrong and if someone is struggling from a point of view of having negative thoughts the first thing you try and do is get them thinking positively and that might mean distract them take them to a good place you know you, I don't know you, you, you try and deal with it in a sort of functional way in a sort of way which is yeah and this didn't seem to be working I didn't seem to be hitting the sort of right notes really but you Gary you know will go through a very different kind of you know period of midlife things happen to men they you know things change and you know you find that kind of you might I know you train a lot but you'll have to train harder to get the same level of fitness and all those things and a lot of men start to question don't they kind of you know their role in, in life and who, who they're you know especially when your kids leave and all that kind of thing so you know there, there will be times when you might you know it might be coming in a few years time you might need some extra support I'm sure you'll have a pragmatic approach to it but Emma's clearly somebody who is very open to speaking to other people both as a counsellor and she's gone and sought out kind of help for herself how good are you at doing that at kind of offloading things to somebody else no I don't offload anything to anybody really I would Emma's actually that's true I don't offload to anyone do I no if you you know you can sometimes read on Gary and think well he's okay but you know, there's something going on there, but it takes a lot for him to, you know, just say, oh, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, he does share, obviously, things that are going on in the work life and workplace and all those other things. But sometimes, yeah, he, he can tell he's just thinking it over. And, you know, he'll get there and he does it in his way. But I hope he always knows, obviously, that I'm always there to to be that, you know, listening here. But sometimes maybe, you know, you don't want to put that on somebody. Is that because... Problems or challenges are a sign of weakness, Gary, that you just wouldn't want to open up to somebody about? No, it's, to be honest with you, Gabby, it's probably more of a case of maybe two things. One is my upbringing with my mum and dad, where I don't believe that I ever saw, and I don't think that will have ever happened in their lives where they came home and sort of like talked about their problems. You, you, you're built to, and my grandparents, you're built to get on with it, aren't you? And sort of like, yeah, get on with it. And I think in the football dressing room, you don't take your own personal problems into a dressing room. You know, you don't, in my, in my era, mm. you wouldn't sort of, you know, if you had a relationship breakup in your mid-twenties, you wouldn't go in the next morning. You'd be really upset. And that happened to me. 
but you wouldn't go into the dressing room and say, lads, I'm really down, I'm struggling a little bit, um, you know, I had a relationship breakup. You didn't bring that stuff into the dressing room. So I think it's a way of life that I had probably growing up and then at United that means that why would I start doing it now in my mid-40s? You know, you've had a bad day, that happens. You expect every day to be a good day. No, you don't. So you get on with it. You just deal with it internally and you get on and sort of go home and don't bring your problems home. And that's really sort of how I probably, it's probably because of that really, mm. I would think. But obviously we know that men, that can be a problem for men, that they don't share, they don't talk. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I see Kenny, my husband, has um, various groups of male friends and I, I can say, see kind of like how certain groups that, you know, they'll go for a bike ride together and you know they're having a chat or they might go, there's a, there's one particular group that they meet up once a month and have a, have a drink and stuff and three of the five of them have had divorces. Luckily we're on the side that haven't in the last few years. And there's been, you know, lots of chat about that. And I think having those little groups are really important for a lot of men. Having male friendships as well is is important. But I mean, I spoke to your brother Philip on this podcast, and he said he has no friends at all. So, um, <laughs> and he and he wants to keep it that way. He said, so, <laughs> the, devil, "The devils have no friends." Yeah. <laughs> Who just thought it? <laughs> he was very proud of it. I mean, <laughs> you, 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 do you know something? If you knew our relationship, mine and Philip's, it is bizarre because we literally could not. I mean. Emmy, you speak to Philip more than me. You text Philip more than me. We don't text each other. How are you? What are you doing? What you're up? We don't do that. We just have never done that. Um, and I don't do it with my sister either. And it's a little bit like that in the family. I mean, Emmy, you, you find it bizarre, don't you? Just the whole thing, really. I do. I just sometimes, you know, we're at the Bolton house and it's kind of his Gary's mum's across the way. And I'm like, we know, I said hi to your mum and things. And I just, for me, it's just so naturally built to me, you know. I speak to my mum at least five to three times a day. I'm not saying that's healthy or not. You know, sometimes it's like, what? And it's that controlling parts. But I feel like sometimes Gary just isn't, he's just in his space. Mm. And it's kind of like, I can't comprehend that you would go over and say hi to your mum just being so close. Yeah. But she wouldn't, but just on the other hand, she doesn't come over and say hi to me, does she? Does she know you're there all the time? <laughs> no, what I'm saying to you is, is that, I, no, I'll say, mum, can I have a tuna butter? And I'll come over and have a tuna butter with her. <laughs> And we have, I have an amazing relationship with my mum. I mean, yesterday I, we went for lunch with her and it's probably the first time in quite a bit with Tracy's uh, little boy, Nev, because Tracy's in Australia. But that, I think Tracy sums up, really, the, the, what Tracy's done in this last month sums us up pretty much to a T. Tracy was supposed to go over for Australia for six months and that was it. And then she's literally gone back for two years. She's, she's just had a... You know, Nev's at home. He's, is he three? Yeah. No, he's four, isn't he now? Is he four? Anyway, how old is he? young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, let, me get, very, let me guess who's in charge of birthday presents and cards. <laughs> <laughs> he's very young, Gabby. And, and I love him to bits. He's amazing. Took him out yesterday. Absolutely amazing. But I, I, yesterday I was there, I thought, Tracy, I, I texted a picture of him on our group and Tracy replied, like, love heart. And Tracy's over in Australia on her own, just had a child, on a two-year contract, being a permanent coach for a new franchise. And I think that's mesmerising. For, for her to, to actually leave a child, go over there for a professional career and a professional ambition, I, honestly, to me, that's like hero status in my mind, that she has that, that ambition, that drive, that determination. And the fact that actually, I'm sure one day Nev, a little boy, will be proud of her and will recognise that what she wants to do. I hope that's the case. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, so I mean, she, because actually, 
if a man was doing that, people wouldn't really question it, would they? They wouldn't question him no. going away. No, and so she makes me really proud that, you know, ultimately that the way in which my mum is, the, you know, my mum plays netball every single Monday and Thursday. She won't stop. She she will do her own thing. The way in which my sister is like that. I, I am proud of that, that there is that drive and determination. And I wouldn't want to take that away from us. It's interesting because <laughs> in on the one hand, family, it seems like talking to you and I'm um, talking to Philip, family is everything, right? And it's the most important thing. But then on the other hand, you know, drive and pursuing your goals and your dreams is 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 also important. And somehow, you know, you can, you, you know, you're managing to kind of like have both of them as important pillars in your life. But in a way that I imagine, Emma, is totally different to say what your family you, that you've come from would, would have done. And I'd, I would love to kind of be a fly on the wall when this when the spouses all get together, you know, and discuss the Nevilles, because I bet, I bet you've kind of all got a different take on what you bring to this dynamic, Emma. It, it was funny, yeah. I always remember my mum like, my mum waves you off at the door like till you've gone round the corner and I'm like beeping you know and like sometimes Gary's family would come in they wouldn't even say hello kind of hello you do you there but it wouldn't be like hi how are and I couldn't get my head around it at the start and I'll never forget the first time I went to meet the family and um it was at Gary's mum and dad's and they were all sat there and everyone was around so it's you know it's a biggie everyone's you know looking mm. at you and I remember um we was watching something on tv so we had it on trays on our laps and Jill came in and I was obviously the guest, but Gary got his first. And it was like, it just made me like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, yeah. An interesting ride. But my mum really will literally leave without saying bye, won't she? Yes, yes. Honestly, we can go, we, we're going out for a meal tonight. For um, So I was away last week when it was Molly's 15th birthday. So we're going tonight to our local Italian. And my mum at the end of the meal, she will literally, at the end of, she eats quicker than anybody. And she'll say, right, and, and she'll just go. <laughs> and it's amazing. I love it. It's like, she's finished what she, what she came to do. She said hello to everyone. She's had me with everyone. Right, she wants to go home now. She wants to get, you know, she wants to get home and do her own stuff. Amazing. Uh, yeah. It, I love that. It is, but it's also, it's perhaps quite peculiar. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, not, not you know but no not the norm but everybody's happy everyone's buzzing so on the family whatsapp group is there a, is there a, is there a neville siblings whatsapp group and also i'm not on whatsapp so they have their own group without me so i don't get to know what's going on but I, we have a text group an iMessage group which i'm on which has got my mum my sister uh sister's partner michael emma molly and sophie right so the six of us on it and it's called the Bolton Nevilles, basically. <laughs> and that's the one that I communicate on. But I'm not on the one with Philip and with Julie Harvey and Isabella, which is a bit sad, really. So I need to go back. That's the one reason I would go back onto WhatsApp, just to be on that group, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably a good a good idea. Because if you're not, <laughs> if you haven't got masses of mates that you're confiding in, then this lot are quite important, Gary. I think you need to keep the communication going. <laughs> so you mentioned David Beckham earlier as somebody who told you to take your kids to school and get some time. Would he be somebody? I know you guys are still really close. Would you, would you ever ring him up and go, mate, I'm struggling a bit at the moment. I just can't, get, my mojo's gone or I just feel a bit. I would go to him, I think, if there was a real problem. But it'd have to be a real significant problem. Would he have an answer for, for you? Or would he just listen, is he? I think he'd give me time and he would he would do pretty much what he, he wanted to do. But I, honestly, it would have to be a significant problem because I would think he's got so much going on in his life. The last thing he needs is my problem. I wouldn't take it to him. So that's how I would think, just generally, because everyone else has got their own problems, everyone else has got their own stuff going on. So actually, and I, I do think it's brilliant now that, you know, we are in an age where people are willing to share their problems. 
but I'm still sort of from that what would be still I think a little bit sort of 80s 90s mm. sort of era whereby if you can deal with it yourself and sometimes the problem is just dealt with by time you're just let you know just letting things pass and not really actually interfering with it sometimes mm. I think if it takes obviously if it goes on for a few weeks and I did go and see a psychiatrist when I was playing Gabby when I had that relationship breakup and I lost my form pre-2000 euros when I really struggled I did go and see someone then because I was struggling for about five six months and it wasn't going away and I've talked about that only since obviously in my book mm. and stuff after I finished but you know ultimately that was the lowest point that I'd had and then in Valencia I really struggled in Valencia confidence lost my confidence and Emma struggled um the kids struggled because they didn't like the school so who helped you then or did you just wait for it to go away I think I just we just waited. I mean, I came home. We came home every day, obviously, to the house. Uh, Emma's dad came with us for that four months, and Emma's dad's been a really Emma's dad's a really good influence on my life in the sense that he's so calming. And when he's here, I like it when he's here because it sort of brings a peace to the house. It's like you know, my dad's not here anymore. My dad wasn't like that. My dad was, to be fair, a little bit like frantic, and everything's got you know, going. Let's go and do something. Whereas Emma's dad's really peaceful, so I can sit here with Emma's dad, and we, we can sit here, honestly, and I can be in this seat here, and Emma's dad will sit there, we can watch a game of football and not speak to each other for 90 minutes. That's your, your I'll dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say. Uh, Joe, something, peace is amazing sometimes when you live a frantic life. Yeah. And I'll, we'll, I'll say, unless, you know, every, every 20 minutes, John, would you want a beer? Do you want a glass of wine? And you'll say, yeah, no problem. And we'll watch, say, a Champions League game, United. And I really love that. I really like that. I do that quite a bit, don't we? It's nice to have peace sometimes. I don't know what the question was. Well, no, it's interesting because you found you found some way. It sounds like John, is it John? You just said then Emma's dad. John obviously yeah. Emma can bring some calm to Gary in some way. He's almost like your kind of human yoga. His presence is enough yeah. to just kind of which it's finding those things, isn't it? Because I think that's what a lot of people on the outside Emma might think. When does Gary Neville turn off? We all heard you on the Diary of a CEO podcast discover what a holiday is, which was um, you know. <laughs> A mini retirement, you said, and the yeah. weekends. Um, so I guess, I guess, making sure, you know, because that's our job sometimes as partners, isn't it, Emma? To you know, the person that we're with, you just you just notice things and make sure that those things are in place and that they have a bit of time to just come off that schedule. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know Gary does sometimes. You know, he comes home and he's done however many meetings and whatever he's achieved, and he just wants to, you know, sit upstairs. I was ill, call and meet. Like everyone meet up top floor, you know, eight o'clock. And it's kind of like military and it's like, right, if we're not there because we've got things to do or we're just washing our hair for the morning and getting organised, it's like, then he sulks a bit, you know, he's, he's a bit of a sulker. So, it, but that's his downtime and it's like being with us, you know, just right. all sat together with a blanket on, whatever, watching, you know, whatever, usually football and we're doing our own thing on our own devices, kind of, yeah. But when football's not on, we do try and, you know, watch something as a family. So, so yeah, so I say Gary is, he does know how to, wind down and chill down and it is coming home to the place where he feels you know he's at peace yeah but I think when we first met and Emma I've said this to you obviously jokingly since but when we first met the first night we went out together we obviously we went back to uh, my apartment with three or four friends and we were just sat in the lounge and we didn't, we didn't speak that much but the silences weren't awkward do you know what I mean by that? Actually, the idea that you feel like you have to fill every... And I speak so much, Gabby, in my life. I mean, I never shut up, as you know. But when I come home, I literally... I like not speaking in peace. And sometimes that drives Emma crazy because she actually wants to hear from me and sort of talk to me and stuff. And I just, that's probably why, in some ways, we 
get on so well together because I, I, Emma's like a dad. She's really peaceful. I like that calming influence and it sort of just... Imagine if I came on someone who talked as much as I do or as frantic as I am. Yeah. It would just be absolute... The energies, the energies wouldn't be, yeah, I think aligned, would they? So you've, you, as you said yin and yang at the beginning, actually, of the conversation, Emma, and I think that's what's yeah. coming through is that, that you complement each other in, in the ways that is a reason why you're still happily married, uh, in spite yeah. of Gary's attempt to um, kind of uh, spreadsheet the menopause. Um, yeah. <laughs> just tank it. I didn't I just want to ask you about <laughs> girls because obviously having two girls as well is, you know, that's a different energy in the house and they're sporty girls, they're busy girls and you work with a charity called Girls Out Loud, Emma, as well, which I think is important probably in how you've looked at parenting girls as well yeah. in this in this day and age. Yeah, I did. Um, like you do a full year with them and you go into schools um, to do some mentoring with girls. It's called the Big Sister Programme. So I was a big sister to this young girl. And she was 15 at the time. So my girls weren't at that age. I think going back, must be two years now since I did that. Um, but I found it fascinating. And it was just the how, like, sitting and talking. And I got as much from her as, you know, she was getting kind of from me. And we were doing crafts or different activities that they provide in that space. You sat in a classroom environment, but it's a different feeling. And it was just amazing to hear what they were getting up to. And I was thinking, gosh, that's going to be our girls soon, you know and how they socialise and all those other things. And yeah, I do feel like there was a lot of talk about, you know, devices. And I remember being in a conversation and it was something like, I went out with my friends at weekend and they took a picture of me and I didn't like it and they posted it. And I just remember thinking, gosh, when I used to go out with my friends, we would literally, we probably would get, you know, take all day to mind to get ready, but it would be a different ready. We would all be houses and everything but we were able to go out and I want to say ugly laugh and not have our hair in place and all those things and I just thought wow this is a different I couldn't be a teenager again a teenage girl it was yeah it's interesting you say that I took the kids to school yesterday Gab, because I'm a, a, a because you're, you're a nascent man yeah. and I tried we got there early so I, tried, I stopped some snacks and uh, a coffee at the garage and I tried to take a picture with my daughter right that's not happening. And no, it's not happening. You literally, I literally got that. So your daughter there has got a hand over her face. I mean, and did you have a conversation about it afterwards? Because you, you know, I've been through these situations with my kids as well, where you kind of go, and they afterwards they go, I don't, I, I don't like my hair today, or I'm not looking, you know. And of course, you as a parent think you look beautiful, you look amazing, you look yeah. gorgeous. How do you deal with that then, Gary? Because obviously Emma's had her kind of insight into a little bit earlier into those teenage girls with with, with girls out loud. Yeah, it's the one thing that I find because at the moment I get—I've never found any stage of where the, their development. I, everyone says, "Don't they?" Oh, this is the most challenging period, and you feel like someone says that every two or three years. <laughs> oh, this is a difficult period, and, and you, you oh, get no, through it. <laughs> but you get that, and then I think now, obviously, as they obviously are entering into a period where people recognise as being quite difficult, the one thing that I—they they don't want to be with me. So yesterday, they made me drop them off literally about 100 metres away from the school. Honestly, I said, yeah, but it's quite cold and it, it could even rain. Don't worry about it, it's fine. So I had to drop them off at the garages. It's about 50 to 100 metres away from the school. How's your ego on and that? Thought, yeah, I'm like, I, that disappoints me a little bit because I'm thinking, am I an embarrassing dad? Am I literally the embarrassing dad in the school? Like, And then the other thing was um, the picture. 
I tried to take a picture with them. Just, just it's nice to have a picture with them, and they just do not want it at all. They want there's no no part of them wants any interaction with me publicly. And tomorrow night, they don't want me. We got so they're going out for a, a meal. My eldest daughter with their two or three friends, and even Emma. Emma's had to book a separate table with my youngest daughter because obviously it's in the centre of Manchester. So we don't really want them to be in a restaurant on their own at fifteen. So Emma's had to book a separate table. I thought the, the kickoff time for Man City Liverpool was five o'clock. So I didn't think I'd be able to go. But I found out earlier on in the week because I've been awake at 12.30. So I'm actually available to come. So I told her on the way to school yesterday, I'll actually come into the meal at you know, 5.30 on Saturday. I can come because I, she said, no, mum says, you're working. I went, no, I'm not working now. I got the kickoff time wrong. Said, you're not coming. You're not coming. You can't come. I'm like... I told you, Emily, and I said, she actually does not want me to come. She was deadly serious. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I like you <laughs> and you like me. What's the problem here? Embarrassing dad. Yeah, and you've got to, you've got to suck that up for a few years, I think. Because, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's like quite difficult, that really, because I don't feel like I embarrass her or do anything sort of like, yeah. It's just, no, she, yeah, that's a little bit difficult. Yeah, I think as, as long as kind of in the home, she still feels like, like you talked about snuggling up on the sofa with a blanket, as long as she still kind of wants to do that, then you've got to let her have that period of, you know, not not wanting, to, it's not that she doesn't like you, she's actually deeply, probably, you know, massively in awe and admires you, but there are just moments where she's going to need her space, isn't she? And I think as parents, it's, it's, oh, it's like, oh, you don't need me in the same way. And that, that really is hard. And it's hard as a mum, yeah. Emma, isn't it? But it, it is, really is, yeah. You find that difficult, Emma, don't you? Yeah, this teenage stage has been a little bit like, oh gosh, they've always been really kind of willing to go and do their own thing and and we all have all come together but really independent and now I'm like even more so like what do I like obviously make the food and and everything but really they'll get up and they've got themselves ready and I'm not putting a bow in the hair or doing their own ponytails and it's kind of like oh yeah I miss it I do miss it I think that's where holidays become even more important because they can't afford their own holidays right and I know I know holidays are yes. a new concept to you Gary but I think um more holidays is what happens <laughs> it's how you get them away no, honestly Gabby you're absolutely true do you know something about four or five weeks ago though when I started you know, I do take them to school. I, I do take them to school. I think we've established that, Gary. We've established that you take them to <laughs> yeah. school. But actually, they, ca they, can't, they can't escape in the car, can they? No, exactly. They have to be in the car, so there's no sort of like getting away from me almost. I've got them for 30, 40 minutes whereby they're trapped <laughs> and they have to have a conversation with me and I can actually sort of speak to them. So, yeah, I've recognised that. It's a bit late, 14, 15, but I got... No, you've, got you've got a few years, though, of taking them to school. Keep yeah. the schools being kind of far enough away and not on a bus route, so you're still important. I think that's, that's the yes. key, isn't it? Uh, guys, yeah. I, I could chat to you both, I think, for a lot longer because I think there's areas that, you know, we've still got to a, a kind of scratch the surface of, but um, it's been really great, kind of the dynamic of your relationship and how everything's going for you, Emma, on your, your new online community and best of luck with those lovely girls. I'm sure they're going to smash it in the world of sports somewhere one day um, they're obviously uh, good netballers aren't they like your sister so um, many more Neville's yeah many more Neville's sporting greats to come thank you very much it's been a pleasure thank you very much Huge thanks to Emma and Gary. I feel like we all went through some couples therapy there. But it was also so great to hear both of their experiences in midlife. And woe betide, there are no oven chips in the freezer. 
And what Emma's done, I think, is so inspiring. I think a lot of people will relate to that feeling in midlife of searching for yourself and your purpose again. And she's obviously thriving now. Check out her page, This Is Me, for support if you're going through the menopause. And please leave me a rating or even better, a review to let me know if you're enjoying the show and what you'd like to hear more of. You can also join our Facebook group, The Midpointers, and connect with other listeners. This episode was produced by Spiritland Creative and I'll be back next Wednesday with more musings on midlife. I'll catch you then. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.